right, hello everybody and welcome to the Death of Death, where we proclaim Christ's victory over sin, death, and everything else. I am your host, as always, Nick Stewart. Uh, don't have like a specific topic for today, I'm just going to talk about a couple things. Um, a couple weeks ago on the show, we were talking about the lockdowns and the masks and how uh, the science miraculously changed uh, so much over the last couple weeks. Well, um, I made a soft prediction that, uh, you know, things are going to get back to normal for a little while and then we're going to have like a variant um, come out and probably set the clock back entirely. Um, well, that hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> I just cannot uh, get past like... Like, if you think of this whole thing as this artificial narrative, like, think about who is the author of the narrative, and that would be the state, right? So it'd be, it'd be important to not necessarily believe everything the state says, but definitely to uh, pay attention, I'd say, to it. Um, you like that mug? Nah, that's a pretty cool mug, huh? <laughs> um, but pay attention to what they're saying. And, and if you think of the state as the author of this, this false narrative, um, they are dropping foreshadowings to us of what's going to happen next. Um, all this talk about variants, if, if they wanted to just move on from this and pretend it like, like it never happened and like get on with a normal presidency, which would probably be the best thing in their interest, um, you know, like Trump's out and we solved everything. Like, wouldn't that be like a really good narrative for them to spin? Um, if that was their goal, I do not think that we'd be hearing this much about variants. Um, variants or the possibility of variants is the reason why the vaccine did not get us back to normal life. Um, you know, uh, until Fauci changed his mind and decided that the, uh, the vaccine actually does work <laughs> because you know for a while he was basically saying it didn't work you still have to wear a mask you could still get a variant you could still pass it and catch it and all that uh why anyone would take a vaccine that didn't work i don't know but um for all the people getting booted offline for saying it didn't work uh anthony fauci said more of that than probably most uh critics of his but um, you know, if the vaccine, well, now the vaccine works, uh, a week or two went by and he decided that the vaccine works now and you don't have to wear your mask if you're vaccinated. But, uh, that was the reason why we hadn't gotten back to normal life because I mean, it really should be, you get the vaccine, it, like anyone who wants the vaccine gets it and anyone else is comfortable with the risks. Like if it worked, then you're not going to get it. You're not going to pass it. So anyone else up to you it's up to you what you want to do um that's how a rational society would would run things um <laughs> but that's not that's not what happened and it's all because of these variants like the vaccine doesn't protect against variants the, the you know the variants could you know infect someone who's already had COVID 19 like all this stuff that we've been hearing uh why would they be doing that like i mean and and no like that that's not true for the most part like anyone who's had COVID 19 is protected for the most part against another strain you might get it but the effects aren't going to be as bad um you know it's certainly not going to kill you if you already survived COVID 19 and 
and the vaccine it appears protects against variants as well so that's not true uh why would they be saying it though if they didn't have a plan for it you know it'd be it would be like an author dropping hints about something all throughout a story and then it just amounting to nothing <laughs> and you wouldn't do that right an author wouldn't really do that so uh we have to be looking at this kind of like the state is the author of the story and we we have to pay attention to what they're saying. And and if you recall, it was this time last year that things were opening and getting kind of back to normal. And then by the end of June, California, you know, became worse off than it was even in March. Um, and it was all because of a spike. And I've, I've heard virologists uh, say that viruses just for whatever reason spike in the winter and the summer. They just do like most viruses do that. Uh, regardless of the measures you take. We have theories about why it happens in the winter. Um, people have posited uh, vitamin D deficiency and, and other things. But uh, why it spikes in the summer, I haven't heard a very convincing answer to that, but we know it does. So, you know, if you uh, paid attention throughout March and April and all that, they were talking about a summer spike the entire time. They were telling you what they were going to do. And then the summer spike came and they did it. Uh, they did the same thing in the fall winter spike like they were talking all along about an October spike or a November spike and then and then sure enough around Thanksgiving Christmas it, it did spike and so you know they got weird again and so uh, they have been telling us a few steps ahead what they're gonna do pretty much the whole time um, and I think you know, as, as optimistic as I want to be, and you know this is the show of optimism, <laughs> as optimistic as I want to be about things reopening and getting better and looking rational, um, I just can't ignore the fact that they're talking about all these different strains. You know, last time I talked about this, I talked about the Indian strain, which I heard about on the news, and that sounded like it was going to be the one that they used. Uh, but now I'm hearing things about the Delta strain and how it's, you know, uh, more infectious to younger people who have virtually zero risk of dying from COVID-19. Well, this strain could kill you. So, uh, apparently, so, you know, I just, I just don't understand why they would be saying these things if there wasn't a plan for it. So I'd say buckle up, especially if you're out in California. I'm sorry if you're in California. Um, <laughs> I, I had the, the presence of mind to get out of there at, at the height of the nonsense, but, uh, you know, I, I'd say by the end of June, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say a hard prediction. I hope I'm wrong, but I am making a soft prediction that by the end of June, definitely by the end of July, we're going to see some stuff go down with a spike or a strain or, uh, you know, a new strain, a variant, I should say, and... Um, and there, this is going to start back at zero. And I really don't want that to be the case. I hope I'm wrong. But it feels feels like the call's coming from inside the house, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and and you got to pay attention. Uh, I mean, it was just like when the masks started going away, you know, uh, when the New York Times started doing stories about how you don't need to wear your mask outside and stuff. It was like, well, what happened all of a sudden? <laughs> you know, like what changed? Uh, science changed apparently, but um, you know, it, they're not right about anything. They're not truthful about anything, but you need to listen to them. 
that's all I would say. You you need to listen to uh, what they're saying because they will tell you pretty much every step of the way um, what they're planning to do. And I think the reason that they're dropping all these Easter eggs about variants is because they're going to use that to get us back to square one. And, uh, you know, we're all going to accept that because it's like, oh, yeah, variants. Yeah, no, I've been hearing about those for months. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that happened. And that's, you know, that that's how they're going to just get us into the, the sheep pen again. So anyways, don't want to be depressing. I do want to talk about some cool things today. Um, I'm hate reading this book. Uh, oh, you know what? I don't have it. Let me go. Let me go grab it. Wait right here. You want a cup of coffee? I'll get you a cup of coffee. So, I am hate-reading this book called uh, Delighting in the Trinity by Tim Chester. Uh, and now, <laughs> I, I say that just to be edgy. Uh, I don't, I'm not hating it, hating it, but um, I have some concerns about it. It's actually a really good book. It's like a really good short book on the Trinity, uh, which there are a lot of, but this, this is just a good one. Um, it's incorrect, <laughs> but it's written very well. It does it does actually give viewpoints that are correct in it, so it's not entirely incorrect. There's just a huge portion of it, and I, I wish I'd highlighted something so I could read it, but there's just this huge portion of it that um, seems to undercut itself pretty severely. Um, and this is a really popular doctrine and um, I'm going to say it again probably later, but I am very, very open to debate on this topic because I feel like when there's something so prevalent and popular that so many good teachers believe, if I'm not believing it, I might be missing something. Um, you know, I might just not have all the information. So I really want to dialogue on this. If anyone disagrees with anything I'm about to say, I really want to talk about it because I, I want to know what I'm missing. Um, but the uh, the idea that the father and the son were separated at the cross, that uh, Jesus was abandoned by the father on the cross, uh, very prevalent in this book. And I'm trying to figure out why. I'm trying to... Uh, trying, to <laughs> trying to figure out why um, you would have a book... That talks about, uh, you know, good orthodox uh, doctrines of the Trinity, um, and even at times talks about the inseparable operations, uh, which is the idea that, like, the Father and Son aren't going to act separately from each other, or the Spirit and the Father, or whatever. God, as one, does one action, and then each of the three persons of the Trinity are kind of fulfilling the action in their ways so like god is the origin of an action or uh, the father is the origin of the action and the son uh orchestrates and organizes the action and brings it um you know he kind of is the hands and feet of the action if you will and then the spirit perfects and brings to pass the action so we see that in creation you know god speaks it uh the son creates and the spirit perfects and he is hovering over the waters um you know in salvation uh the father chooses who he wants to save the son redeems them 
and the spirit seals them and brings them, you know, all the way to the end of their life into eternity. So we see that he has a great chapter that talks about those things and yet somehow still believes that two persons of the Trinity can be separated from each other uh, in in the atonement, in, in the crucifixion. And so I'm just trying to figure out, first of all, how this this belief caught on because, I mean, it's got no scripture. I mean, it's got the one verse where Jesus says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Okay. Um, and that scripture is from Psalm 22. That's a messianic psalm. And later on in that exact same psalm, it says something to the, to the effect of God will not turn his face away from his anointed one. <laughs> and so in the very same psalm, it says God will not turn away from his, you know, the, the Messiah is what it, he's talking about. And yet Jesus quoting that psalm is somehow a proof text for the fact that God turned his face away from the Messiah. Um, and Tim Chester even uses the word abandoned, that uh, Jesus was abandoned on the cross. Uh, how anyone with a shred of Orthodox Trinitarianism in them can possibly believe that two persons of the Trinity can be separate. I don't know. Wayne Grudem in his uh, systematic, I pointed to it uh, behind me. I don't have it. It's, it's back in my room in California. I don't know why I pointed back there (laughs) as if it's right there. I do have um, John frame and, and uh, Louis Burkhoff on the shelf. So I probably just assumed it was right next to those, but um no, I got the complete H.P. Lovecraft, if you want to If you want to talk about that. Uh, but Wayne Grudem, I believe the verse was from Malachi, and it says um, God, or God the Father cannot look upon uh, sin. And so they take that, they take the Father, why have you forsaken me? They take 2 Corinthians, he was made sin, and so now Jesus is sin, Father can't look on sin, he says, why have you forsaken me, and, and voila, we've, we've created this narrative, this idea that uh, the Father has abandoned Jesus. Um, I don't know about that. I, I feel like there's a lot of assumptions on that part. I don't know uh, what to make of it. Um, what What's weirder to me is that uh, I've only heard one, and I'm, I know there's more, but I've only heard one person explicitly speak against this and that's James White and that's actually where I got the the argument uh, about uh, Psalm 22 saying God will not turn his face away from his anointed one um, so why is it that only James White would talk against this and and you know I'm sure a lot of the Reformed Baptists that are doing all that really good work in classical theism are also against this idea but um, yeah, for anyone listening who disagrees with me or at least knows why they believe that, um, please get in touch with me because I've, I mean, besides that one verse from the Old Testament that Grudem used, I've literally only ever heard Jesus saying, Father, why have you forsaken me as the proof text for this doctrine? So um, there's a lot of assumptions heaped on onto that. And... Um, yeah, it's just it's it's not possible. It's it's uh, all the three persons of the Trinity are fully God, out of one divine essence. Like they all come from one divine essence. You cannot separate that. Um, so it's weird to me, and and especially for him, for Tim Chester to talk about that stuff in other parts of the book, which are great parts. I'm loving that. Um, I'm liking it more now that I've gotten to like the historical views of the Trinity. Um, in like chapter 
five, six. Um, so yeah, I'm loving it now, but, uh, man, he took up a lot of time talking about, uh, Jesus and the father being separated at the cross. And, um, it really undercutted a lot of the other things that he said that were really good. So, um, just wanted, uh, you know, I've been so into Trinity stuff lately that, uh, I just wanted to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, and that surprisingly is a, is a issue that we didn't get to in the Trinity episode. So I definitely want to talk about that, uh, more in the future. Hopefully someone will, um, email me at contact at deathofdeath.net and will let me know either a really good, you know, essay on it or something, or will at least be able to tell me like why people believe that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've just never heard a good convincing argument for why we hold to that, even though, you know, there's one pretty unclear, uh, you know, verse in the Bible about it and nothing else that would anywhere near substantiate it. And it flies completely in the face of orthodoxy. Um, so I, I just can't figure out why it's, it's so prevalent among so many good teachers like Grudem and Piper and, and stuff. I, I don't recall R.C. Sproul ever teaching it, but wouldn't be surprised if he did. You know, he's one of my favorites, but, um, you know, all of the most popular teachers have taught that, so I, I just don't know what to, what to make of it. So if you're listening, if you have an opinion, email me at contact at deathofdeath.net. Um, I think I'm going to wrap it there. We've been going over 20 minutes and, you know, doesn't need to be a long one. We've had a couple long ones with uh, Sam and Mason. So, how cool were those guys, huh? Yeah, first uh, first Oklahomans I've had on the podcast. First uh, first video guests too. Haven't had a guest um, since I started doing the video podcast. So, they're cool guys. Um, that's all I wanted to talk about. You know, what else do I got? I got. Uh, I mean, of course, go follow Death of Death on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. It's at uh, Death of Death Pod, and uh, sign up for the email list. I'm like getting more and more concerned um, about having everyone on the email list. If you go to deathofdeath.net, there's a little sign up box on the right hand side of the page. If you listen to this even semi regularly, go to that page and sign up for the emails because there will definitely come a day when I say something that gets death of death taken off of YouTube or taken off of social media. I've already said things um, supposedly worthy of that. It's just that the show doesn't have a big enough reach for it to be a problem for us. Just the things I said today about, about variants uh, would certainly get me kicked off of YouTube um, if they caught me. So uh, definitely go <laughs> sign up for the emails. Cause that is, if I'm kicked off of anything or everything one day, uh, that's how I'm going to get a hold of you because I download the email list every month as an Excel file. So I have your email saved as an Excel file so that if anything happens, I can send you all an email and let you know where to find the show or send you know, there might come a day where, uh, Christians or anarchists or whatever box that I fall into are so reviled by society and the state uh, that we may have no other option but to send shows like this directly to your email. Like, there may not be a platform for us in the future to talk about anything, uh, you know, that doesn't fit the, uh, the agreeable, um, you know, consensus. So, uh, I think Christian stuff is safe. You know, uh, the, the apocalypse didn't come for Christian, 
shows uh, as quickly as it came for libertarians. Uh, so I'm, I'm not too worried about the Christian aspects of the show being canceled or, or deplatformed, but um, I am concerned about my political views. So uh, yeah, all that to say, go, go to deathofdeath.net, sign up for the emails so that if anything ever happens, I can get a hold of you. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. Uh, even if you listen to this show on audio, go subscribe to the YouTube channel um, because it'll make it easier to find in search results and all sorts of stuff. So there's all sorts of benefits to the show if you subscribe. So uh, do that. Uh, if you can't find the show on YouTube, you can always go to deathofdeath.net and I post a YouTube link to the most recent episode in every post so you can find it there and just subscribe through that. So that'll be the easiest thing for you. And um, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so many things to remind you of, you know, go buy, go buy a t-shirt or some stickers, you know. Do what you can. I don't know. Uh, sign up for Patreon. If you haven't signed up for Patreon, uh, it's $4 a month. You know what that is? That's less than a good cup of coffee every month. A good cup of coffee could run you five or six bucks these days. So uh, $4 gets you the Patreon. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's it. I've rambled long enough. Kept you like an old person trying to keep you in their house um all right so pray for trevor and cheryl donate to trevor's gofundme that'll be linked in the show notes and uh i will see you guys next week thank you for watching (laughs) 